Welcome to From Uniforms to Unicorns. This podcast is all about our experience as female corrections officers, our challenges, our triumphs, and our transitions out of the career. Lauren and I have always had a significant bond friends, moms, and business owners that happen to be in prison. Life attempted to separate us, but we always found a way back to each other through huge life milestones, tragedy, and random text messages saying, I thought of you today. We know there's huge curiosity surrounding these topics, and we aren't the only ones that struggle. There are also incredible stories just waiting to be shared, and we want this to be a safe place for us and you to talk about the often unspoken world of corrections. Grab a coffee, head out on a walk, or just take a break. Let me warn you, we have no idea what we're doing. From uniforms to uniforms. From Uniforms to Unicorns is sponsored by Brand 47 Coffee, which was founded by Holly and Alex, both first responders looking to create a sustainable business to pass on to their two sons with Down syndrome, Jax and Nico. Thinking about the future has always been in the forefront of their heads for their boys, creating meaningful employment and independence as adults. The only way to do that was to create it. Brand 47 Coffee Co. provides the most unique and fun-flavored coffee. Seriously, it is so good. Our Mine and Sharon's favorite is the Coco Loco. It's coconut-infused. It is to die for. All of their coffee is small-batched and roasted to order. They are incredible people doing incredible things. Their vision is to keep the world caffeinated, to stay special, and be extra. You can find them at brand47coffee.com. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Lauren. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Nice Good. to see you. I know. Good to see you, too. It's always the best. Mm-hmm. 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 So uh, we're pretty excited today. Um, joining us today, we have Alex Graham from Brand 47. Uh, Lauren, we've actually never met face-to-face. Lauren stalked her on social media. <laughs> And uh, we're pretty excited to have her here today. Um, Hi, Alex. Hey, Lauren. Hey, Sharon. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for being here. We really appreciate it. We had a wicked conversation with Alex last week. Yeah. Yeah. So after all the stalking took place, I was like, we need to hop on a phone call because Alex has... uh, a really cool story, number one. So she uh, started a, a company, which she'll tell us about as we go through this, but she'll tell us why. And then we became connected through first responders helping first responders. And then first responders helping first responders has a business page. So then I just kind of started contacting a few people on there and saying, hey, we want to know more about you. We want to talk about you. So here you are. <laughs> yeah, okay. you. I respond well to stalking. So yes, perfect. Good. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about you. Yeah, thanks. Um, so yeah, I guess first and foremost, um, you probably found me through that first responders page because, uh, in my, my early twenties, I started my career as a member of the RCMP. I did that for several years, moved on to career firefighting. Uh, I did that for about six and my wife is a, I think she's now a 14 year veteran of, uh, being a paramedic in Alberta. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. What's it like being married to for uh, here? Because I can answer this question too. But what's it like being married to a first responder? Well, I mean, I think there's a reason that I'm currently not a first responder. Right. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So as as much as I I do miss it, um, yeah, it's it's tough the double shift work, especially with kids. Um, I think there's um, 
a component of being able to understand each other and, and some of the moods and, and situations and be more acceptable of maybe like the, the time constraints and the scheduling demands and those types of things. And then I think there's the flip side where it's doubly annoying on a family. <laughs> so <laughs> totally. I don't, when I, uh, had thought about going back to corrections. My husband was a police officer and where I was uh, a prison guard is an hour and a half away. So I was like, okay, we'll figure this out. And I saw, started like, okay, we can get childcare at this place on these days. Then my mother-in-law, then your mom can take the kids on these days. But when I called the childcare place, they were like, so you're, by the time you drive to work and then come back, it's a 13 hour day. And then your husband works 12s. Like, you know, it's illegal to keep, put your kids in childcare for more than 10 hours a day. I was like, oh, it's like, I had no idea. I was like, oh, okay, well that might not work out. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I, like when you think about people that do that, I'm like, holy moly, that's a, that's quite a juggling act, right? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank, thankfully my wife now is on a dedicated uh, flight crew. So she's a flight medic for Alberta Air Ambulance. And um, oh, wow. she works a lot of night shifts, which is a bit of a gravy train. If they're not flying, they're, they're, they have downtime. So right. she can use that as needed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So oh, she, that's awesome. she, she can usually come home in the morning. She gets home at six and she'll sleep to like nine and then be able to get up and, and help. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not... Uh, it's not that uh, disruptive. Right. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. So you started the RCMP early 20s. Um, and how long were you with the RCMP? Uh, just shy of four years. Yeah. Four years? Yeah. And then you went on, you said to be a, did you say firefighter? firefighter? Okay. Yeah. And so how long did you do that? Six. Uh, so the first two and a half years were, was, um, we were still living up North where I had been posted with the RCMP and I actually went to go work for the the town as a peace officer firefighter. So I, I had a little bit of both actually it was probably my favorite job out of anything I've ever done. Um, cause I, I got the best of both worlds. Um, so I, while I was peace officering and with the fire department, I was able to get all of my professional firefighter seals. Um, and then when we oh, moved back, cool. yeah. So then when we moved back south, when we adopted Jackson, um, I now had, you know, three years of a firefighting experience, all of my professional seals. So, um, I then got a position, um, here with, uh, the department of national defense. So as a civilian firefighter. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So tell us what you do now. Okay. Well, I mean, I do a handful of things, mm -hmm. uh, but probably the reason that I'm here, I guess the most important one, um, is we started a coffee business, uh, in 2020. So we started a, a small batch, um, you know, specialty coffee roastery. So we, we roast and sell coffee. Yes. Okay. That's so, and brand, I know the story brand, behind 40, it. <laughs> brand 47 coffee co I should probably mention what we're called. Okay. So why, so why, why did you start that company? What, 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 what was the, the driving force behind that? Yeah. So we have two sons, Jackson, Nico, um, they're seven and three and we adopted both of them and they both have down syndrome. So when we adopted them, it's, it's always been in our mind that at some point as the boys got older, we wanted to start a business to be able to provide meaningful employment for them. It's super hard with any special need to find mm -hmm. meaningful employment. And that was just something that was like on our minds, like as they get older, you know, 
what's their lives going to look like? And we kind of said, man, it'd be super cool if we could start something and employ them and employ other people with all sorts of different abilities and kind of have this really like inclusive place. And I think part of us almost always had like a vision of like a, a bakery or a coffee shop. And I, I think that's really common. We see a lot of those pop up, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so that's, that's kind of been like this long-term vision just in the back of our minds and somewhere in the craze of you know COVID quarantine uh, <laughs> early 2020 like mid-workout one day I like stop I'm like we should start a coffee roastery and we're I'm on a zoom call with my friends and Holly's in the background not working out and uh Holly's like that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard and <laughs> my, my friends are like that's awesome and uh the one friend uh was like my husband's super into you know, home coffee roasting, you should connect. Um, so I started just looking into like what actually goes into roasting coffee. How do you start and getting started? It's like super easy at home. There's some really basic methods of just kind of learning the process and learning some of the science that goes into it. So I, I, you know, it was a pretty cheap investment to start figuring that out. And I started playing around with it. And my wife comes like, actually, that, that is a good idea. Um, we are, we are, pretty, around in the end, hey? we are, we are pretty fond of coffee and we spend a lot of money on this. So this mm-hmm. could be a cost saver. Um, and yeah, as, as that kind of process went along, early 2020, summer of 2020, um, I had an opportunity to get my hands on, um, a very hard to get like small batch roaster that they're, you know, they do like very limited releases of you like stand in the queue and hit refresh on the website till you get one. Um, like a Garth so Brooks I, ticket. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I, I got my credit card, <laughs> I got my credit card out and was prepared for the hit cause they're not cheap and just said like, F it, let's just do it and see what happens. So I did that. Um, then started playing around with beans and flavor profiles. And we kind of by like the fall found a bean we like, made a coffee that we thought tasted really good. Let other people try it. People were in agreement. So we're like, let's just do it. Like, let's just start the business now. Like I've, yeah. I've already bought a roaster and then that aggressively turned into a big business loan. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> doesn't it always though? Yeah. Doesn't it always? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then we renovated a space in our basement turned it into a certified commercial kitchen and put the roastery in oh, that. Wow. Yeah. So by December we, we launched, um, and yeah, we've been, we've been going, we've been going since crazy. So oh, you launched cool. it just December, 2020. It yep. was like officially launched yes. and you run this all from your home. Yes. Oh, awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So yeah, we, we renoed, we spent two weeks in December. My brother-in-law is a contractor. So he came down from Calgary and, you know, we hired the other crafts we needed to hire and we, we built a room in the basement, um, turned in, you know, got it certified as a commercial kitchen, got all the business licensing and forward and stuff. And, you know, we, we vent the smell of roasting coffee out the side of our house. And <laughs> thankfully we're on a corner lot and we vent into the street because I don't know if my next door neighbors would be coffee smells great, but the exhaust of roasting coffee smells a little burny. So, uh, yeah, so that's, that's that. And then, and then we sell online. So we're primarily, uh, like an e-commerce Shopify account and, um, you know, local people can, we've got a little pickup box for them, but we mm-hmm. ship a lot of our coffee and, and yeah, everything's, everything's online and in the basement. But it's very, it's very specialized, right? Like very. Yeah. 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 So you like 
put out something and then it's gone. Yes. Right? Yeah. So we do a couple things. Um, one of the things that my wife and I really like, and this is kind of one of our differentiating factors, I guess, is we really like flavored coffee. Right. Um, and uh, so we kind of thought like, you know, we have like your standard medium roast, a nice balanced cup of coffee, but then we do a lot of fun flavors. So those flavors typically come for limited periods of time. They're, they're hit and miss. Like when we did our first launch in December, we did a spicy Santa, which was a, a Christmas spice coffee. And that disappeared at the end of December. Um, right. So people ask us all the time, like when's Santa coming back? And so like, eh, you'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we're kind of always releasing uh, different flavors. Some stay around for longer, some don't. It kind of just depends on uh, supply and demand, I guess. And, <laughs> yeah. and uh, um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of what we do. And um, everything's roasted to order. So we don't pre, we don't pre-make any coffee. Um, you know, we've got bags upon bags of green beans in the basement. And, um, when someone orders coffee, um, you know, I typically roast twice a week, I guess, depending on how busy we are. And then I go down and spend a couple hours roasting and we, it goes through the, the cycle of off gassing and, and being ready for consumption. And then we, we bag it, we package it and, and off it goes. So Wow. Typically, typically that's Holly's Holly's job is supposed to be begging. But, <laughs> it's uh, supposed to be. It's supposed I, to be. She... I feel like uh, as the spouse <laughs> of a first responder, I feel like that would be my supposed to be my husband's job, but like yes. I might have to take it over occasionally. It, yeah, it uh I, I struggle with fine motor skills, so begging coffee definitely is not my forte, but uh Holly's dumped it on me a fair amount in the last couple months. <laughs> um so and then and then we you know we did something really fun we we thought um you know most coffees come with with labels and we kind of thought a there's a sustainability and environmental component to sticking paper on paper um mm -hmm. which doesn't make a ton of sense uh as well as from a cost perspective and then we kind of thought well how can we do this differently so we actually stamp all of our coffee bags we hand stamp them and we actually get the boys to help in that a lot so oh. Every, you know, it, it's not every bag is hand stamped by them, but you'll probably know when you get a bag that is stamped by them. <laughs> um, so yeah, we get Jackson, Nico, like on a weekend, we'll say, hey, let's just bag a bunch of, or stamp a bunch of bags and we'll get them and they'll stamp. And you know, Jackson usually licks the stamp a couple times. So if you're, if your bag smeared, you probably got licked. <laughs> and, uh, you know, sometimes you, you might get like a, you know, like a autograph bag or maybe Jackson writes you a little scribble or note on the back. And oh, it's a fun that's way. Awesome. Yeah, it's a fun way to get the boys involved in what's supposed to be their business. Right. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that. I, that's such yeah. a cool idea to get. I, uh, we do through the nonprofit that I run and we did first responder spouses boxes and my kids helped me package these. And literally I was like, I'm writing notes going, sorry, your box had to be opened because we forgot to put the tea in, but you can see like where the duct tape came off the box. And I'm like, sorry, we did our best. Cause I, that's, I do that too. I like my kids to, yeah. to help me and be involved. Right. And, yeah, and whether absolutely. it's their business or not, it's like, and they love to be involved. Right. They feel yeah. like they've contributed something. Oh yeah. At the end of Jackson, the day. Jackson has, I mean, Nico's still really young. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit lost on him, but, um, Jackson is, um, I'll say he's like a, a faux coffee snob. Like he likes to, like, if I grab a pot of coffee in the morning, he's like, mom, that's the sign for coffee. He just pretends he's like drinking a cup and then he'll go grab a cup from somewhere and just be like, 
you know, like coffee, please. And I'll come and like <laughs> pretend to pour. And then he's like, he'll open the fridge and grab like the cream. Cause I drink my coffee black, but Holly does not. So he'll like want us to fake cream and sugar his cup. Yeah. And then he walks around and you know, sipping. And, and, I, um, I was drinking coffee at seven, but I mean, I'm like five foot two. So give your kids a little bit of that. Yeah, we'll try. Jackson's already short. So we'll try and give him a fighting chance on this. Yeah, one. Um, yeah so I, he has like a little, um, he has like a little, when I roast, I have like an apron that I wear when I roast. So Jackson has a Paw Patrol apron. So he'll, he'll pretend to put it on and he'll walk around with his coffee uh, cup pretending he's a little barista. So what's the bigger... Part. Are you are you thinking of doing like bakery, coffee shop, all of that stuff in Um I don't I don't know. Um I mean the bakery would require that someone knows how to bake. Yeah. So so there's <laughs> yeah. there's that. There's um, a partnership involved the, there. Yeah. <laughs> and Medicine Hat's tough because for a small, smallish town, we actually have a lot of, you know, locally owned kind of niche coffee stores cool. and bakeries. And so I, I think it would be a really competitive landscape to right. enter into. But I think there's some other fun ways that we can differentiate because obviously we want to be able to bring other people into the business, which means it probably needs to get out of my basement at some point. Right. So, <laughs> so I think, you know, a commercial space um, with a, a bigger roaster um, is, is in the, the future. Like I, you know, our kind of next steps is, is maybe knocking out a wall in the basement and, and putting in a bigger roaster um, that, so it takes a lot of money. <laughs> the the roasters <laughs> the roasters go up dramatically in price from where I'm at to like the next the next level. Um, so there's that, and that's kind of in our one to three year plan. And then obviously, hopefully, moving into a commercial space. And I think if we moved into a commercial space, we'd probably have a coffee front. I think that just kind of right. makes sense. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I, my original plan when I had like my workout epiphany was to put like a coffee roastery coffee shop in a tiny house and pull it around. Yeah, right. That's so cool. we that's have one cool. here. It's like, yeah. you can't pull it around, but it's this tiny little cabin. <laughs> right. That they have like a pull up window and they have like, you. So, we can maybe fit three people in it, but it's. Yeah. Window. And those are everywhere in the States. Like if you're yes. in, especially yeah. on the, yeah, east, it's the all West over coast, Seattle. Seattle yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. we were in Oregon two summers ago and it was everywhere. These little huts mm -hmm. and you just drive up and get your coffee and, and I was like, man, how cool is, and Seattle is obviously has, and Portland has such a coffee culture. Yes. Um, yeah. so, so that was kind of what, what sparked the idea originally was like, man, that'd be really cool. So my thought was like in the States particularly, um, and obviously assuming COVID, you know, goes away, um, they have tons and tons of like, I'll say conventions each year all around Down syndrome. So some are like the national conference and then the Down syndrome adoption society has conferences. And then there's like the rock and moms retreat and the rock and dads retreat. And like these things have hundreds of hundreds of people. I'm like, how cool would it be? Cause we have a friend that goes there and they make specialty shirts. She actually produces all of our merchandise for us. Um, she goes to these events and they set up their booth and they make, you know, their, their, um, their branded, uh, you know, shirts and, and merchandise and, and sell them at these retreats. And the retreats usually kind of have them make like a special design for their things. Yeah. So I'm like, how cool would it be to be able to just be like, Hey, let's drive down to Colorado or drive down to Minnesota and pull the coffee yeah. and, and, yeah. uh, you know, set up shop and, and sell roast coffee at, at these events. Absolutely. Uh, so, so that was kind of my, my original thought. Um, so we'll see it. There's, I mean, when you, when you actually start to think of the logistics of it, it's like, 
is a border guard going to let me pull a business on wheels across the border? Like probably not, but maybe Mm -hmm. someone can secretly store my, my coffee roastery on wheels for me in the States. So Mm -hmm. I need to get a friend, I need to get a friend in Kalispell or something like that. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Oh gosh. Yeah. That's so cool. That's okay. So yeah. Cool. And then just hope there's no border guards listening to your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Oops. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm flagged. <laughs> exactly. Alex Graham, put her down. Put her down. Yeah. Put her down. <laughs> put her down. CRA tax evasion. I think it's, you know what? I think it's cool because uh, Sharon and I both own our own businesses. And mm-hmm. I feel like after you leave the that world of first, and I, I know, I, I know just by your personality, you're kind of like not the rule follower a little bit. You're like, I like to make the own, my own rules. And I found it very hard in corrections to be like, I'm just going to tell you what to do. And you're just going to do that. And I'm like, mm, no, no, that's not how this is going to go down. So I, I know a lot of first responders that leave that world and then think, okay, I'm going to go out on my own. I'm going to start my own business. Do you feel like that's kind of how you are? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely being, um, not a rule follower, uh, certainly, you know, got me into my fair share of predicaments in being a first responder, both as a cop and a firefighter. And I think most of it is, I I actually just think for myself. And when you're in a, um, a position that, that mandates that you're subordinate, and mm-hmm. follow the chain of command. That's really hard when you think you're smarter than the chain of command. <laughs> so, <Yes>. <laughs> and and in all in all fairness, like n- not to sound arrogant, um, like I'm a well-educated person as well, and not everyone in those fields are. And that doesn't make you good or bad at your job, right. but it does provide a different perspective as to which you view the world. Um, So being able to be like, I'm someone who's, you know, I probably could have had a really successful, albeit boring career as an engineer, because I'm, I'm very analytical, um, which also made me like a good police officer, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm very analytical, but with that comes my ability to like, you know, deductively reason my own circumstances and and kind of form my own opinions and, and sometimes, you know, tell people where to go. Um, so yeah. And then that's the best part about being an entrepreneur and your own boss is the only person I can tell the fuck off is myself. So, and my wife. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And and, and, you know, when you, when you do screw up, you're like, okay, that's okay. I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep trying. This is a learning experience yeah. uh and i yeah i because i do work with lots of business owners and i do work with lots of first responders and lots of them are like well maybe i'll just start my own business mm-hmm. and yeah. i'm like okay for it's not that easy first of all <laughs> That's, I, yeah. it, it is awesome Get, i'll give you that it is awesome yeah. uh but it's not that easy uh but yeah i find that lots of people come from that place and it's it's almost like a rebellion of like okay now really? i make the rules uh but it also makes for really awesome business owners to be yes. like yeah, yeah now i'm the because sharon yeah. has a business i have a business and yeah. uh and it's, yeah. it's like the 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 freedom too right the mm-hmm. the biggest thing for me when I, when i left corrections was I don't want to be tied down, like what you said, to Monday to Friday, you know, doing the same thing. It's pretty mundane. So I was lucky, like my mom had a business and she hated that I was in corrections too. So it was like... (laughs) So she like like wheeled you in, like... Yeah, it was like this transition. (laughs) Yeah. So it was good because now it's like, you know, you've you've got some uh, play time with your flexibility. You don't have to be there 
Monday to Friday sort of thing. You make your own, yeah, and make it. And with two young, I have two young boys and they don't have disabilities and I know how difficult that is, right? So to have that ability to say, okay, my attention is dedicated here. And then later my attention, when Holly gets home or whatever, then now my attention can be dedicated here, yeah. Yeah, and that I found that really hard. Like, so I left firefighting and went into a nine to five job. And, you know, pre-COVID, it, it was okay because we actually traveled a fair amount. So it was kind of broken up. There was some some fun, some excitement, some like outside of that mundane of the nine to five. But when COVID hit and we got grounded, um, I realized that A, I actually work way too much. You know, my 40 hour week was like a 60 hour week. Um, and then that's way worse when you're at home because definitely working because your work is constantly there. And I found I'm, I'm very motivated and driven by success and success can be defined by a lot of different things. But for me, it's just like, you know, being mediocre is never like, I don't really do anything half-assed. So when I take a job and my job is to, you know, whatever my KPI is, you know, I'm constantly going to try and push that. So then I realize, you know, again, just like that creep of like, I'm, I'm tied to my phone or I'm tied to my emails because I want to be successful. I want to do well. I want to do whatever Mm -hmm. that goal is. And so kind of COVID goes through, you know, we're a year and a half of still working at home. And I'm like, man, I hate my job. Like I, I hate my job. I hate working Monday to Friday. Now that I'm not kind of have that like fun interlude of traveling to break it up. And I realize like I work way too much. Um, there's just, there's nothing about this I like. And I also kind of got like some first responder FOMO during COVID as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, which, I agree. yeah, yeah. So, right? Agree, like, yeah. like, except that, when they have to put on like all the PPE and walk through the house. I'm yeah. like, oh, that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't then you're like, <laughs> yeah. But I realized that like my, my purpose, I think, or my, you know, when I look at like what makes me happy from, um, uh, you know, like a, I'll say a job perspective is that kind of service aspect. So the coffee business helps me reach that. And it helps a lot with like that, the success and the drivers and the motivation, Mm -hmm. um, you know, can it, can it support our family right now? Definitely not. So I still have to have a job. So, um, you know, for myself, being able to go back into something like the fire service is, is really nice in the sense that like you kind of get the best of both worlds. And I think you have to, you know, what you're getting into and kind of going and coming back and seeing like the grass is greener on the other side that, you know, you kind of get that, that perspective a little bit, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. Cause yeah, I, I left and I was like 10 years so of emergency services. How, I'm over why, it, but sorry, Alex, but why okay. did, why did you leave? Like, that's <sighs> what question. I, yeah. Yeah. You left um, firefighting? Like, yeah. is that, yeah. yeah. So why? So I, um, I didn't really have any intentions of leaving when I left. I think like I, I really liked firefighting. I had obviously, you know, I'm a gay woman with disabled kids in a very, uh, you're a unicorn. Awesome. I am a unicorn. <laughs> I have to show you guys. Okay. Just a sidebar before I answer why I left, sure. uh, in 2017, I went to the world police fire games in LA oh, cool. to compete in CrossFit as a firefighter. I was a, a firefighter at that point. And, uh, we did like a t-shirt sale fundraiser and it was a unicorn lifting a barbell in bunker gear. And oh, cool. actually Chelsea McPherson has one of these t-shirts. Okay, I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask her. We need, we need one of those. Yeah, we need one. <laughs> okay, well, I might still have at least some stickers kicking around, and I'll yeah. show you guys stickers. But uh, and then, yeah, it was just like 
kids a bit of a unicorn, right? So yeah, oh, um, yeah. So yeah, the unit that's when you, when you stalked me and I saw the unicorn thing. I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. You, you, you had I don't me care at, what it is. You yeah. had me at unicorn. Like I didn't even read the rest of the email. Um, but uh, yeah, so to to go back to like why I left, um, I think it was a few things when I left the RCMP originally. I had like instant regret of not finishing my university degree. So I had quit university in starting my fourth year. So my final year to, to, to join the RCMP. And part of that was just because the RCMP recruitment process happened so fast for me. I thought I would have time to finish my degree and I didn't. Oh, like me that, too. Like, that whole like, oh, it takes a year to year and a half. I got hired in 45 days. Really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think I started the application process in October. I had an offer in November and I went to depot in December. Uh, So it was incredibly fast. So that whole like year and a half, I thought I was going to finish my degree. So I left the RCMP and I realized I have zero skills. I have no education. And my one skill is being a cop. And I'm in a town where I can't be a cop. Now I, I honestly kind of became a half cop, but I I literally was like, you know, what do I do with my life? So I went back to school and I went back and did sports science, um, which ultimately when I left firefighting, it was for a job that mixed sports science and business together. And I, I felt when I was given that opportunity, it ended up being for a company that I had interned with during my sports science degree that, um, when I was offered it, it kind of seemed that like, again, like that, that feeling of like having to chase a definition of success that was like, you know, moving up a ladder or achieving things and feeling like, you know, just being a firefighter or just being a cop wasn't enough. And that, you know, success was was something more than that. And so I was given this opportunity. I was like, man, I went to school for this and I kind of feel, feel like I have to pursue it. And I think at the same time, um, this decision was like, exacerbated by the fact that I don't know if anyone remembers this, but uh, the federal government had this big, I'll say scandal with their employees with the Phoenix pay system. Oh. So it, was, it was in the news. So we, we actually <laughs> were getting paid. So you weren't, getting, you weren't getting paid. And it even was like, the people, uh, it was, people that worked at the Phoenix pay system were committing suicide yeah, because yes. of the amount of yes. harassment they were like, this system oh, yeah. was and, insane. Yeah. And I, I've had like plenty of, not nice, unfortunate conversations with people dealing with it. Cause you're just like, so we, we, we had, we had just, when I started at the fire hall, they had just in the process of ratifying a new CBA with the union. So they were bumping up. We were like the lowest paid fire hall or fire service in the country significantly by about 30%. So like huge. Right. So they had just brought us up, I think 15%. And so you're like waiting for them to ratify that deal because you know your pay kind of sucks and i have a kid with disability to support we just had one at that time and uh so they finally ratify it get it through and then it's like okay you have 150 days legally to pay the back pay retro pay from the date and so you're thinking like yes i'm getting this like big check so we kind of planned the adoption of nico of going back onto that adoption list with like well we know we're going to get a lump sum around this time so we can probably go on the list around that time. Well, Nico was you know not as quick as Jackson, but we adopted Nico within, I think we went on the list the end of December and we adopted him in January. So I we were supposed to get our lump sum in November and by January, we still had not received it. Mm-hmm. So now we have a child to adopt and like a $15,000 adoption bill. And it went on my credit card. I adopted Nico on my MasterCard. Wow. So- 
needless to say, a little bit stressed. So this was like February of 2018. And then in May, I decided to take some parental leave. Um, Nico, we had a, especially Holly, he was a little bit harder to, uh, to bond with, with Jax. And it was a bit stressful. He had some feeding issues and it just made like feeding just the most stressful situation. And Jackson still wasn't walking at that point. So he was still so needy. So I decided to take parental leave and our, our benefits was that you get like topped up to like 95%. So we're like, perfect. Well, with the Phoenix, Phoenix pay system, I didn't get paid my entire adoption leave at all so it was at a point where i was like going in to get emergency cash advances because we couldn't pay we didn't have money in our bank for our mortgage and so i we were just like stressed to the tits like just financially and like i had come off parental leave to on a course that i really needed to go on and then they didn't give me my cash advance so i'm paying for everything like hotel meals flight on my credit card which is already maxed out and i literally end up going to the cashier's office at this military base in uh, Ontario and being like, if I don't get this cash advance, my mortgage is bouncing tomorrow. And they literally like, here's $3,000. There you go. Like take it to the bank just to like cover the mortgage. And then like maybe put the little bit of money left over on my card, which at this point is like, gosh, I only knows how much. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, it was, it was so stressful. So I came back, went on parental leave for like another month. And just as I was going back to work, because I only took like a six month or five month leave, just as I was going back to work, what ended up being my boss calls me, like, I think the day I went back and was like, hey, something's come up. Like, how do you feel about coming to work for me? And it was like, it, it was just like that, that moment of like, oh, this is just like a steady paycheck, even though yeah. it's technically less money than the fire hall. I know I'm going to get paid and I'm just like, I'm so stressed and this is something I went to school with. So that kind of like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to have that, you know, internal definition of success met and, and all of that, that kind of just lined up. Um, and it, I mean, it's taken a lot of like retrospect to kind of realize that I made a decision in stress and it probably wasn't in line with what I really wanted to do. And, but you, you learn from it. Like I've been mm-hmm. able to get a business education, um, you know, taking my MBA while doing this, that's allowed me to be a business owner. And that ultimately is way more important. And so as much as I, I miss firefighting, um, you know, and, and hopefully one day can go back. I I've taken something like, I don't, I never re- try and regret any of the decisions I made because it always lead me to where I am. And it's easy to say, okay, I learned something from this and I made a mistake. I, in hindsight, maybe shouldn't have made that decision, but I probably wouldn't have our coffee business if we hadn't done that. So, I mean, no regrets. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. That's and that's uh, when I decided to go into like coaching. Uh, a friend of mine was like, "Okay, like, so what? What are your qualifications?" I was like, "Nothing." And she's like, but didn't you do like a psych degree? So four courses short of a psych degree, same as you, like got, everyone's like, apply for corrections, apply for federal corrections. And then it was like, they're like, Hey, it takes a long time. Same as you. I was like, I think I interviewed in, I think I interviewed in January and they called and said, you're going to the May one. And I was like, but I have another year of university to do. And they're yeah. like, you can do it not, after. I was not like, anymore. yeah, okay. I'm going to do it after. But yeah. then they changed the rules. Cause what kids were doing was like doing their degree at UFC and then going to Harvard and doing two courses and then graduating from Harvard. So that was the year they changed <laughs> oh. the thing. And you had to finish your last 10 courses at the same university that you attended. And right. UofL wasn't, didn't have anything online. So I was like, whatever, it's over. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, 
I look back and go, I have, I have, as my friend has asked me, what skills do you have? Like I sat with inmates and interviewed inmates and dug and learned and okay, let's Mm -hmm. do some planning. What are we going to do now? What, what, what do you have to, and that's exactly what a coaching business is. But I was like, I don't have any of these skills that you're talking about. She's like, but you have all of them. Plus like, plus you can sit across from a murderer and have a Botox face and be like, mm-hmm, yeah, perfect. Okay. So what's next? Right. Like, so interesting that we, we don't, we don't know what we have. Right. And then totally until we're just like put in a situation, we're like, oh yeah, I can't, I am capable of doing that. I am okay with this. And yeah. And the skills that we've acquired have totally led us down the path we're supposed to be on, whether it's yeah. The right one at this point, it's, it's a path, just stay on it. It's a path. So yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Just the similarities there, but yeah, I think, you know, I'm so happy that, you know, the random workout epiphany of starting a coffee roastery was, was a good idea. And like, we're, we have so much fun doing it and, and, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a grind. We're very much a startup and, and, of course. Uh, you know, like you're, you're trying to figure out, you know, how you're going to, to grow and what that investment looks like and, and trying to balance all of that. And, and, you know, thankfully, um, you know, my, I can, I can say this. So like, I, I did leave just recently the job that I left the fire hall for, um, because a good friend of ours, the, the guy who also likes to roast coffee in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, he owns a business that's also a software company. So I've been working for like a sports science software company for the last almost three years, I guess. And he was like, I can really benefit from your business experience to help with my business. And you also have software experience and it's, and then he also has two kids with down syndrome. So the work-life balance. And he's like, I don't want you to work full time. I want you to be able to just do what you need to do to get the job done and then spend time on your coffee business and come on down to the States and let's have family hangouts and that's business. So I think, and even if I, if I am able to go back and pursue firefighting again, it's still totally compatible with that. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of like the best of both worlds, hopefully, you know, whatever it's again, just, just exploring, just going through the motions yeah. and yeah. just doing it. And, you know, for me, it was just, uh, finding someone who was, um, my, my last, I know my last boss is never going to listen to this. So I'm not worried. My last boss <laughs> was, was not supportive of starting the coffee business. He was very threatened by it. And, um, you know, as much as he's always been a pretty good supporter of our families and always has been great to our kids. He was super threatened by the fact that I was starting my own business. And, um, that tells you something about a person too. Hey, yeah, totally. Like, like, like we got into fights over it and, uh, and he's a, you know, <laughs> well, how are you going to grow my business? If you're growing your business, I said, easy. I'm going to start working 40 hour weeks for you instead of 60. Yeah. Sorry that you feel that way. Right. But like when, when you tell me, you don't think I deserve a raise after tripling your business's revenue over two years, like I'm not giving you my free other 20 hours anymore. (laughs) I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Cause you learn your own value and your worth. Right. And it's like, okay, I've got to put this somewhere else because all I'm doing is making you rich. Yes. And that's, that's exactly it. So it's funny because when I quit, which was like last week, maybe even the day we guys spoke, I'm not sure. It was somewhere, somewhere around there. Um, (laughs) when I, when I quit, I, um, uh, you know, I, I told him it was to pursue an opportunity with a friend. Like I was offered something else that, you know, I kind of felt like I'd given him all there was to give. And, and he turned to, uh, I guess one of the girls that works in the clinic with him and was like, 
I bet she's quitting because of the coffee company. I'm like, this is hilarious. Yes, yes, I am. I am quitting. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, yeah. It's, a, it's a big part. And like, you know, I have a, another friend that I'm doing a little bit of work for. And he, the first thing he did when he heard about the business was like, do you need an investor? Do you need a U.S. distributor? How can I help your company? Yeah. So, well, you can start by trying some, let me know what you think, right? Mm-hmm. And my other boss has never purchased or tried a bag of our coffee. So yeah, his, everybody else has bought multiple bags and he's never tried it. So yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, why am I giving my life to you when you can't support, you know, what we're trying to do? And absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I was going to say, that's just like what Lauren was saying. You know, Mm -hmm. you start to know your own worth, right? Uh, When you come from the first responders, you, you get into that career to help people. And like Mm -hmm. you said, it's the service aspect. So along the way, when you're changing your mindset, because you come become aware of things, it's like, Mm -hmm. I want to do this for these reasons. Right. And that work-life balance is huge. That's a huge one because uh, when Lauren and I were early in our career in corrections, we gave it all to corrections. Right. I gave it all to corrections. I went hard. Like we spent time with correctional officers on our days off. I lost relationships. I, and then it's like now when you, well, after I had my daughter 2008 and I came back to the institution 2009, I realized like, what am I doing? Right. Mm -hmm. And it was like, that's when I was like, I got to get out of here. But it's the 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 money that yeah. was holding me back. The pension, the money, the pension, the money, the, money, yeah. the pay, the days off. I'm like, I still want to take trips to Australia. I still yep. want to do all this stuff, mm-hmm. but how, right? Yeah. And then that's like, because you you always in that first responder, you always have a plan B because they, that's how what they you teach you to. to have. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, good for you. I'm yeah. I'm happy that you got out of that situation, right? Totally. And I mean, again, like I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity It really formed who I was. And, and yeah, I think it, it gives me like that lens where I can, can view. And like, I think we spoke about this last time about like romanticizing the position. And I think that's really easy to do because I think you, it's really easy to remember like the feelings of good that you have when you actually are, are helping and serving, but then also recognizing that there's another way to achieve that without, you know, being dragged down in every other way that that happens. And, and it's tough, you, you know, the, the financial aspect, like if I was still a member of the RCMP, like, oh man, I'd be made <laughs> like yeah. 10 years service in the RCMP. I'd probably have a couple stripes on my shoulders. Maybe if Absolutely. I you know, could follow the rules enough. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the issue, right? It's like, yeah. uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I but like, maybe. like, like living up North, like we had forced housing. We had, so we had no mortgage. Everything was paid for. You were working stupid amounts of on-call and overtime, which yeah. sucks for everything else in your life. But financially, you walk out of the North with like, uh, and like same with with Holly, like she was working air ambulance up there. And like, we were always on call. We were always working. We never saw each other, but man, we had money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? <laughs> That's to say when I was in corrections, uh, my husband worked on the oil rigs, right? And it was yeah. like, we just were like, what, what else? Mm-hmm. we got it we, we got traveled it. like four times a year <laughs> yeah that's we right had, we had two homes and now mm-hmm. we're like oh my gosh i can't pay the mortgage on one yeah <laughs> and, yes. yeah and, he and then my husband mix. became a cop and i was like 
frick this is yeah. brutal like, yeah. <laughs> now, now i'm not now it's not so bad i mean but it, yeah it takes 10 years to get to it that does. point where you were like yeah kind of and you're used to the but also of course the rigs has its ebbs and flows where there's years and the reason he became a cop is because he didn't work that year it was like okay you haven't worked we got to figure something else out because we can't live like this forever but yeah Yeah. that and i was making even when on mat leave i was like you can go be a cop i'm making like tons of cash yeah that that i had to pay back when i retired (laughs) yeah Yeah. that's already spent (laughs) yeah Yeah. no that uh yeah it was same like when when holly or when i took matt leave with nico when i ended up leaving it was like what well you can go back and work some casual shifts i'm making my full pay so like this is easy but then but then i didn't (laughs) it it backfired yeah but yeah i mean again we we came out of it it all worked out you know thank goodness for the tax the tax refund on adopting a child yeah uh, Yeah. um you know so that that at least helps but uh yeah i mean we would not have a coffee business if we hadn't got there and i'm super excited about it so yeah i'm super excited and and i actually didn't realize it was that new i don't know why i didn't realize that it just started in december but that's we're we're still a baby you're still a baby well hopefully after this you're not i'm gonna be like yeah Yeah, so that's what i was gonna say so tell people how to get it how to get their hands on it and perfect plug away yeah thank you so you know, we are, we are online www.brand47coffee.com. Uh, it is like an e-commerce site. You can go online and buy and shippings with Canada post, but we, we ship worldwide. Um, shipping sucks. So it's yes, like stupid. It is stupid expensive. So a little tip one to three bags, same shipping price, three to six bags is like $2 more. So don't buy one, buy three at okay. least. Cause okay. you're, you're going to save se- money. Buy six. Yeah. Buy, buy, six, buy, buy eight, whatever. I nice thing six. about it is you can buy six bags, which will last you, you know, two months and it will still be fresher than anything you've ever bought on a shelf. So right. yes. um, all of our coffee sold whole bean, which is very intentional. I know some people like their coffee ground for them, but depending on how you make your coffee, you need a different grind size. And Coffee starts to stale five minutes after grinding. So I want you to have, oh. I work hard to get you fresh coffee. You, yeah. order, you order, I jump and roast. So I want you to get that and it still tastes like it's, uh, you know, fresh out of the roaster. Um, yeah, yeah awesome. so we're, we're all online right now. Um, and, uh, you know, we have Instagram and Facebook. It's at brand 47 coffee co I think on Instagram and probably Facebook as well. And, um, we do have, you know, like I said, shipping sucks every once in a while. We like to do flat rate shipping for people. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we do the odd giveaway, um, and fun things like that. And a dollar of all of our bags of coffee also go towards the Canadian downstream society, um, which has uh, a strategic plan of helping, provide employment resources for people with Down syndrome. So uh, it's very in line with our company's uh, mission of being able to provide employment opportunities and education around employment for people with different needs. So. Yay. Okay. Tell us about the name. Cause I know about the name, but our yes. listeners okay. really yeah. Don't. Yeah. So uh, people with Down syndrome actually have 47 chromosomes instead of 46. So they have three copies of the 21st chromosome. Um, and the 321 is, is really owned by the Down syndrome community. And I wanted to do something a little bit different. 
that if you have someone in your life with Down syndrome, you would get it. But if you don't, then there's no kind of conflict of what does this mean? Uh, right. So we went with brand brand 47. So yeah, we're, we're, awesome. we're owning that. We're owning that extra chromosome. Yeah, so, totally. I love it. It is, it is the love chromosome. It is the best one. Yeah, so. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I worked with people with Down syndrome for several years of my life and yeah. they have my heart yeah. for sure. For sure. Yeah, ja- Jackson struggles with COVID because he's all about kissing and hugging. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. They're yeah, very. He, just, they, they are he has very a lovely. he has a bubble in school. So. <laughs> yeah. Aww. Yeah. Poor guy. Poor guy. He just needs a hug. He, yeah. yeah. He he does not social distance. We need almost need like a sign, like heads up. You're about to be <laughs> yeah, violated. Totally. Yeah. So. <laughs> Thankfully, uh, Nico Nico was incredible judgmental and uh, skeptical of everybody so um kind of you know kind of like when i was a cop so yeah <laughs> he's going friendly so he's not hugging anybody he's, he's got a great glare so as we as we wrap up here we have one last question for you and that is what are you living for yeah, that that's easy. I, I live for Jackson Nico. Um, you know, their their entire world and and you know, we spend every waking moment advocating for them, trying to make their lives better, trying to make sure they have everything they need um, because they make our lives better. And I think they make everyone that they touch lives better as well. Um, so we're just doing everything we can for them, set them up for success. Awesome. That's awesome. They're so lucky to have you. Right. And so lucky to be in, uh, yeah. And you have them as well. Like it's, it's, it's It's very, it's reciprocal. It's reciprocal. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And I, um, because I was involved with that prior to, it is such a massive deal. And, yeah. you know, I worked, I did, uh, I worked with a guy who we did Goodwill stuff where we went mm-hmm. through all the clothes and stuff like that. And then we did stuff with churches, but yeah, same thing. That was part of my job is finding them employment. And it was extremely difficult mm-hmm. a lot of times. So, um, yeah. kudos to you. That's amazing. I think Thank that's you. a pretty yes. cool mission I, and a purpose yeah. and very awesome. So Thank yeah. you. Love okay. chatting with you. Yeah, we appreciate it. We have, yeah, we guys, have a collaboration coming up. We have a, mm-hmm. a collaboration coming up, but you'll learn about that uh, just before Alex's, just before this airs, I guess. But yeah. Yes, yes, so I'm cool. super excited. I'm super excited for it. Yeah. Awesome. It's going to be hey. fun. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I can't wait to work more with you. So thank you yeah, for being too. here. You guys, you guys are awesome. Uh, Thanks for having yeah. me. Don't no hang problem. up just yet. Sharon, Sharon, turn off the TV. Okay, sorry, oh the the Euro, <laughs> Euro 2020, I was just trying to catch the end of the game. I'm so sorry, but That's I okay. will... <laughs> I mean, I won't. I won't lie. Like, I have a really weird fetish fan, fanaticism with Formula One racing. So, if there was oh, a race, so on, my I'd, be doing, I'd be doing the same thing. Oh, it's so good! Just like go watch the Netflix. Series That's what my because, husband did. Because, because you can, you can think Formula One's the most boring, stupidest thing to watch, and then you watch the series, and you're like, oh, there is so much going on here, and it's phenomenal. Like, yeah, he's like, my, we gotta go to Mar- Monte Carlo. Oh yeah, and, like, and like oh, what no, are you even so, talking about? So 2022, 20, they're actually doing an inaugural Miami race in the spring. So I think we're planning a Disney we'll trip. We'll probably I, see you there. I, I would, <laughs> I'm I'm on the list to receive updates about tickets. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure my husband is yes. too. I'm yeah. And his uh, buddies at work all do it and they're out. Oh, it's like 
like most of the races right now because they're overseas they're, they're all early like, they're about 6 a.m and like i'm i'm up at five anyways so like i'll be like doing schoolwork, and then on my tablets the f1 race <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you know you really only have to pay attention like the first two laps and the last two laps and everything else in between you can kind of like zone out but um it's so like analytical and there's so much that goes into it behind the scenes and like strategically and if you kind of have that 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 mind it's it's really fascinating because it's it's not just watching cars drive around in a circle there's so and then there's drama and politics yes and my husband's like jerry holloway is married to one of the yes she is she's married to christian horner who's the <laughs> team principal of red bull so and you know red bull has like a young gun star who's going to overthrow the seven-time world champ and it's like and then you have these teams there's two drivers on a team and they'll screw over one of their drivers to benefit the other driver if it makes <laughs> sense in the big picture so you've got this guy who's like the number two who's really good and he just gets fucked <laughs> let the other guy win and you watch yeah. it and like oh yeah it's just just drama the so one morning last... i i get up about 5 30 but it was a weekend and i had slept in till about yeah. i don't know 6 45 and i got up and my husband was awake which has never happened in the lifetime of happening and i was like what are you doing he's like well the race started 45 minutes ago i'm like what are you talking about the race he's like the formula that's when he had just kind of started watching right. the series yes so yeah. then he was like i'm like oh this is nuts if you can yeah. get my husband out of bed at six o'clock in the morning you yeah. gotta be good you gotta yeah, be good there's there's races the next consecutive three weekends and oh, uh and usually they're like every other week um and I just finished my assignment for my MBA class this morning. So I, I'm off for the summer. I don't take classes in the summer. And I'm like, what excuse do I have to get up at 6 a.m.? Like, what can I be doing <laughs> that's productive that I can, like, validate being up to watch Formula <laughs> One? Do you <laughs> bet on the races? Can you bet on those, no, I wonder? Pro probably. You oh, probably yeah. I, maybe I should. Maybe I should throw Maybe that's true. Maybe <laughs> that's true. Like, like, last weekend, like, like, if you had bet last weekend on, like, who you think – Oh, I know it. My husband said like, it was insane. Oh, it was the most stressful 45 <laughs> minutes I've ever had at six o'clock in the morning, including being a cop and a firefighter. So it was yeah, like, right. it was like, what just happened? And then you're like, oh, this sucks. This, and then all of a sudden they restart, and then like more, and you're like, oh, and it, oh man, it was just, whew. yeah. Anyways, I, I, uh, it's great because I, I have like um a Red Bull racing hoodie, and and a hat i have a hat collection and a hat and, and, a, and a wallet and possibly yeah just 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 the two but like possibly the, teams, a the teams release like special edition hats throughout the season so i'm like clamoring because i love hats and i love special edition hats even more so um yeah yeah but i i was out i went to like the phone store to look at trading in my phone and i was wearing my red ball sweater and the chick was like you're a Red Bull fan and just starts like talking about formula one. And I was like, this is, and then Holly posted a, a story on her Instagram story feed. And I was playing around with Nico in the car window, but I had my Red Bull sweater on and someone saw it and someone's like, Alex watches formula one and like just spirals. So <laughs> you don't so even yes, have to do anything. I, I you watch, just have to put on like, your sweater yeah, and go throughout your day. I know. I know. And you, uh, uh, I would attach it to your coffee at some point. If I were you, that's a, right right like a yeah. special yeah sort of like yeah. fuel f1 fuel, fuel right yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we gotta talk more girl okay. we do yeah we do we gotta <laughs> 
Awesome. How can I get an F1 driver to sponsor my car? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Who can I find to? I mean, these guys make like $20 million a year, so I'm pretty sure they don't give a shit. Yeah. But wow. Yeah. You never know. You never know. I gotta find I gotta find someone's address and just start sending them random I, coffee. I will I will just stalk. I'll, you can yes. hire me to stalk. You, you are stalk. an excellent stalker. <laughs> yeah, you put you put those skills to <laughs> oh awesome. Okay, well awesome. thank you we're for all, being we're here. all decent investigators, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Oh Matt. Okay, I'm gonna end. Oh, don't hang up though. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram at From Uniforms to Unicorns, uh, on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Speaker, all of those. Also, feel free to subscribe. You'll be notified of new episodes that come out, and we always love a review. Also, feel free to share with anybody you would enjoy. We also want to send a big thank you to Jamie Green for being our podcast editor and to Jeff Bale at Third Hell Music for our soundtrack. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great day. Love, Lauren and Sharon.